DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined now by Pace Mannion on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art Smart Irrigation Controller helps with first-class water management. Visit SmartRain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs. Or call 877-346-3333. Pace, good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> Sorry about texting you at midnight. <laughs> no, no worries. No worries. Don't know where in the world you are sometimes. <laughs> it's all good. Pace joining us from uh, Italy now, where he played and his wife is from, and and your son Nico is now is now playing, getting ready to play. He's he's getting ready. I had a tough uh, hit a virus. So he had lost a lost a lot of weight, lost about 40, 45 pounds, and but he's back now, and he's you know he should start playing here in the next week or so once they get off this uh, this little break they're on right now. If you weigh 180, how do you lose 40 pounds? Yeah, trust me, it was scary and it wasn't pretty. It was not pretty. <laughs> I was. I, I told him I could use that, but you can't. You know. Yeah, yeah. At his age, now check back in 40 years would be another but, story, right? <laughs> yeah, but he's uh, you know, he's back now, which is good because it was uh, you know, it, it was scary. It was it was something you don't ever want to see anybody go through as much pain as he was in, and and what was going on with him was uh, was really scary. But he got to Bologna and they. They figured it all out, and you know he spent a few days in the hospital, but uh, he's he's good now. So thank God for that. How's the medical world over there compared to what we have here? Well, I think it depends on where you go. You know, and there are certain cities that I think you're very lucky to be in, and one of them is Bologna that has a very good a good hospital here with a, a, a all their uh, what do you call them? Every, every part of their hospital is is one of the best. You get people traveling from the world to come here, so. And the doctors, obviously, because of where he is playing for the, the biggest team in Italy, Virtus Bologna, you know, he gets good care. So that was great. And Gaia was here with him to monitor everything. And they, they were fantastic. I, you know, he got, once he got out of the hospital, he put, on about, he put on about 40 pounds in 33 days. So, well, so did I. His body, yeah, that's when you had the hot dog, though. Oh, he's on the DJ hot dog plan. Sweet. No, I was, but what I think the you know his 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 problem was you know his blood count got really low because he was he was losing so much blood, and and once the blood was able to carry nutrients to his body, you know his body just grabbed all of them. The weight came back quick. Then he had to put his muscle mass back on. He came back a little early, tweaked his back. Core wasn't ready to be playing yet, and so that's why they held him out for a couple of weeks. But he's. Uh, They've had about five days off because there's some COVID-related issues with the team. Two guys were positive, so they shut the team down for three days. We've been kind of in lockdown in the house for a while. But it's all good. You know, he's healthy. He'll start playing when he's ready to play. That's all I'm, I'm concerned about. He's in a great city. He's with a great team. You know, they're, he'll get better. Obviously, the dream is to get back to the NBA, which I think will happen in a year or two. So it's a, it's a much tougher, it's a tougher way to play basketball than it is the NBA in Europe because of the style. So, you know, once you get – successful over here coming back there with the spacing and the rules it seems to come a lot easier for guys pace Mannion joining us former ute and uh you know it's, it's interesting because obviously your son nico was drafted by the warriors played for the warriors uh you lived in utah after you were done playing and you did uh radio and tv and there's a bunch of hilarious stories i wish we had time to get into about we that. don't have any time i have time for that so <laughs> let him go just let him go okay and then uh well we already brought up the hot dog that's one story uh and then you moved you moved to arizona and that's where nico went to high school so you are in 
Phoenix, and now you've relocated to Utah with with him going going to Italy. But that's Utah, Arizona, Golden State ties, and look at what three clubs have the best record in the NBA. And you can tell me you're not following pace, but I wouldn't believe you. I know you're following all three of them for multiple well, reasons: partly fan, partly professional memories, and partly your son's future. So you've got multiple reasons to follow all of these. And I'm curious. Uh, we've had Warriors Suns games now. We've seen them play, and it's regular season, and Clay Thompson isn't there, so it's certainly not perfect for the, you know, you know, to line us up for what might happen in a playoff series. That could look really different. We haven't seen the Jazz play either one of those teams yet. So with all that factored in, what do you think? Well, I think you know what the Jazz are three games out of first. They're a game out of second. I mean, they're they're in the mix for everything. And right now, it's you know you're playing to get seeding and be home court advantage and all the things you want, but. They're capable of beating anybody. Right now, the Warriors are, are, are ext- playing extremely well. It'll be interesting to see what they do when, when Clay comes back, when Wiseman comes back. Does it help them? Does it hurt their chemistry? Are there some you know, chinks in the armor do they find? It'll be interesting to see how that breaks down. The thing I look at when I watch these teams play is, and, and not to not go bare because he's been playing fantastic for the Jazz. He's been phenomenal. But when you get to the playoffs and one team goes small ball, can you allow to leave Rudy on the floor? And, and that's what I, where the Warriors, I think, take advantage of a lot of people with their ball movement. And if they move Draymond to the four or the five even and, and go small, they're tough to guard. And they just surround you with shooters and they, they move the ball so well. And guys are unselfish. And it's, uh, it's tough to beat them. So th- that's the, the thing that the, the Jazz will have to figure out down the road to beat those teams. I think – the Suns are very good, but they rarely go as small as anybody else. They like to keep DeAndre on the floor. He's been, he's been playing great all year. I hate him. So it's, uh, but those three teams in the West right now, I think you could, you know flip a coin because all three of them will be in the mix come the end of the year. And we saw that. You speak of that small ball last year. We still have nightmares of that Terrence Mann going off and having the game of his life, hitting all those corner threes, and, and the Jazz look a little discombobulated. Do you think if that situation arises, and you speak of the Warriors, and they're very proficient at that, particularly when Thompson comes back, can the Jazz have Gobert on the floor but take him away from the basket? Would they be willing to do that? knowing that that's his strength, but because of the lineups that they have of the other team, maybe be forced to do that, and can they do that, and would would they be okay if they did do that? Well, I think you have to have him come away from the basket, you know, because if not, that's what happens. You know, he gets stuck in a, you know, in a drop coverage, you know, on some moves, or he gets caught in a switch where he's got, you know, Clay Thompson. You have to go out. It's not like you can say, I'm not going to go guard him. So, Either he figures out a way to go out and guard those guys and chase them off the line. Hope your rotations are really good. Um, but it's, you know, again, nobody passes the ball as well as Warriors. You know, they're, and they're coming from the San Antonio mold because that's where, you know, Kerr was under pop and he's seen how that works and share the basketball. There's, you know, you have your superstars on that Warrior team. But it, there's everybody, everybody knows how to play in that system right now. And they're figuring it out really well. So um, I think the, the Jazz can figure it out. But it's, uh, it's, it's going to be tough. I think Rudy's the key. Can he manage that playoff time when the team goes small? Can he manage to stay on the floor and not hurt him? 
So I don't have a problem with that necessarily because he could have gone out to the corner and stood there and made sure Terrence Mann get, got shots. But to me, the problem was the other guys couldn't stay in front of their man. So if Rudy goes out to the corner and makes sure Terrence Mann or whoever he's matched up with in a Warrior series or a Sun series doesn't go off, are all the other guys giving up layups because they can't stay in front of their guys? Well, look, you're talking about the best players in the world, you know, and there's not many guys that can that stay in front of Steph Curry. <laughs> we're, well, in front of any, you know, you yeah. name any starting point guard in the NBA, you know, and all of them are, are capable of beating you off the bounce. You know, do you want to go out and guard Dane? Do you want to go out and guard Steph? Do you want to guard Chris Paul? That's why they are who they are. And when you get to the playoffs, you're playing against the best teams that have gotten there because they're better than everybody else. So you're getting those better guards and the better twos, better threes. All those guys can put it on the floor and beat you. So it's, everybody's going to do that. The teams that shoot the three ball in the playoffs seem to do really well um, because it's just a backbreaker. You know, you can be down 9, 10, 12 points, and in three possessions, you're right back in the game. So, and the Warriors are the best at that because of Steph. Well, and Clay, obviously, but they're, and Jordan Poole has stepped up, even though he's out with the protocol right now. He's, you know, he's playing really well in, in the place of Clay right now, and he's shown he can score. Obviously, he's not Clay Thompson yet, but, you know, he's, he's looking to make a nice contract next year as well. Yeah, that's what mads me the intrigue about when Thompson comes back and he's coming back sooner than later because you've got players like Poole and uh, Peyton's son who are stepping up. But what do you think is going to happen? Because I don't think they can just bring him back and these other guys can continue to play at their level because there's just simply not enough shots. Curry's going to get his. I mean, you're not going to dis- discourage him from shooting, obviously. Whose games are going to suffer from the Warriors, and how will it affect the overall product? Well, excuse me. in my opinion, I think you know Gary Payton will be the one that will suffer the most because he's the least offensive skilled player they have in the, on the perimeter, although he's played well as of late. He's your defensive guy. But, you know, if you could put Clay, because they really don't, that system they run, uh, the point guard is not as important as you think, because Dre brings it up. They, you know, even if Steph brings it up, he's giving it up and getting off the ball for a catch and shoot. So if you've got Clay and Jordan Poole and Steph, all three on the perimeter, which all three shoot the ball as well as they do, and you put Draymond at the five and play Otto Porter at the four, or vice versa, you've got four guys that are great at shooting the three ball. It's a tough one to guard. So I think Peyton loses a few minutes. Jordan Poole might lose a few if they because I know Kerr will try to keep everybody happy for a while. And then the minute they start to have to make a run, he'll cut his rotation to eight like he did last year and say, okay, we want to try and win some games and, and for our seeding or for whatever. And, and that's when guys will have their minutes cut out. But he won't do it too early because the season's too long. You don't want to He'll keep playing Steph his, you know, his 36 minutes, and that's where he keeps him at all year long, and then he'll bump it up towards the end during the playoffs if they need him on the court more. Pace Mannion joining us, former Ute, former Jazz guy, former broadcaster locally. And have you seen enough of the Jazz going small with Rudy Gay to assess how good that is, how much of a problem will that cause really good teams in playoff series? You know, I haven't seen it, but I know enough about Gay. And the Jazz system is, I mean, they run a great system. You know, their ball movement, you know, their their penetration and kick, their, you know, their pick and roll stuff they do. I mean, Quinn Snyder's a genius, obviously. He's done a great job there. And I think, like like you pointed out, PK, you, you, what happened 
you know, with the, with the Clippers and, and, and the shots they got in the, in the, in the playoffs, that will, those are things you'll look at and go, how do we fix that? And if anybody can do it, you know, Schneider can. He's, he's been there. He, he knows how to, how to coach. So those things will happen. And if Rudy's, you know, I haven't seen him this year, but if, if he's good enough to, to rebound and defend and, and do what he needs to do at that position, you know, you can get away with it if everybody's going small. Um, he'll, be, he'll be fine. I, I truly believe in that system. That's one of the systems I really, really like in the NBA. If you watch teams play, they're, they're one of the ones you enjoy going to games and seeing how they, how they run their offense. With you being over there in Italy, we've seen so many players come over, and not just end of the bench guys. It used to be, the, the, you know, maybe they can contribute, but now they're their major contributors all throughout the entire European leagues. Of every one of them, I'm wondering now as you're watching this, uh, how much uh, improvement has the game been over there to where there will be significant contributions of players uh more role players what do you see as far as the future of foreign basketball impacting the nba well it's already impacted it quite a bit but i think the game over here has changed tremendously from when i was here and a lot of it's because they don't have as when i was here you can only have two foreigners now you can have as many it seems like as many as you want but they the game has gotten so physical over here um it's astonishing to me how physical it is. Um, it's worse than watching, you know, Detroit and Chicago in the playoffs back in Michael's early years. Really? Because, yeah, it is just, there's so much contact, there's so much banging. They don't allow a hand check, but the forearm on the perimeter, you know, you can bump guards off their line, you can do what you want to do out front, they let you get away with a lot of stuff. So I think what you'll see is the guys that are skilled enough over here, the Europeans that are skilled enough to play in the NBA because when they get there, guys like, you know, you wonder why Doncic had such great success. He'd been playing from the time he was 15 years old in the European, in the EuroLeague. So he'd been getting beat up forever. When you watch the European game, then you come back and watch an NBA game. The NBA game looks, there's so much space and it seems like there's no contact compared to what you're seeing here. And so I think those guys will get there and they'll have a bigger impact because once they do get there, they're going to realize I have more space. The game is faster. They don't want to call. They, they want to call the fouls because they're giving the offense the advantage, because they want more scoring for the fans. And over here, they don't care about that. Over here, they, they could care less about what the fans want. It's all about we're going to go by the book. There's no gray area. It's black and white. And so, but it's 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 a good game to watch. It's just not as fast or as free flowing as an NBA game. But I think you'll see guys come over and have big impact in the next few years because there are some very good players over here. All right, now let's get to the good stuff. <clears throat> so everyone, I think, now he's got an MVP and, and Jokic is playing great for Denver and carrying them when there's very little around him. And when he subs out of a game, everything falls apart. And everybody's got that down cold. But the Jokic brothers, that surprised people a little bit. Did you know about them? No, I still don't. Oh, really? <clears throat> no. Uh, I would just I've say that him, you, I've seen Jokic brothers in the stands getting ready to fight, but I didn't know there was anybody else out there. <laughs> that was that's what I was talking about. <laughs> those guys, those guys. Uh, I don't think I want to get into it with Nikola. No, I think you let him go because he's got more backup than most guys. Yeah, you know, right. His, and it's family, so they're willing to go. You know, to the mat all the way. Yeah, yeah they're going to go all the way. So, but it's. Uh, I tell you, that's it's 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 great. He's got that. You know, when you come to another country. 
and you're going to get harassed. It's nice to have family in the stands to do what they do. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. Are you kidding me? The only thing PK missed is, you know, they're not Italian, because otherwise it'd be straight out of The Godfather, and PK would <laughs> right, be right. all about it'd, it'd be, it. It'd be all mafia stuff for PK. I know. I get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm wondering as far as the advancements in salaries over there in Europe, as far as, you know, what they make, and is it the dream for kids who grow up and pick a country to play in the NBA? Because if you're getting highly compensated over there, you know, obviously it's a major impact on your life. The basketball is one thing, but, you know, it always amazes me, these guys that come over, and you did it the other way. You were a little older, though. You weren't, you know, like 18, 19 years old when you went over to uh, Italy. You were older, and so it amazes, it amazes me to get these, pluck these kids out of countries. where They do it in baseball, you know. They're, they're so young and from the Latin American countries, and then they bring them over, and it's got to be this massive adjustment. Is it still the goal of kids who grow up and whatever country over there to play in the in in the NBA? I think it is for some of them. But I think there are so many guys over here at PK that they start playing and they they love the city they're in, they love the team they're on, they love the everything about the European league. <coughs> Excuse me. But they and they're making good money. And they just don't want to risk, you know, if I go to the NBA and I don't play and I fail, you know, and then I got to come back here and it's it's it, it, and it's an ego thing for them. But I think a lot of them, if they go, you know, like Ginobili, when he went, he took a pay cut to go, but then obviously he made that money back because he was good enough to make that money back. You know, I look at Nico coming here this year, and, you know, the money he's making this year is so much more than he'd have made in the NBA. He's making as much as some of the guys that got drafted in the first round the year before when he was, when he was drafted in the second round because they, they pay him X amount of dollars. They pay a 50% tax on that salary. He's living in a two and a half million dollar apartment downtown Bologna, and they give him a. He's driving a Porsche. So, nice. I mean, your house, your car, your salary, um, everything's taken care of. So it's and the lifestyle here. It depends on where you're at. Obviously, he's in a great city. So that's one of the nicest things you can have is you know where you live is a big key because you got to be here for nine months out of the year. But this is a great spot for him. You know, he wanted to play one year and come back. I don't know if that'll happen because you're only going to get about half a season in because of the, the sickness he had. But like I said. You know, you've got a two-year guaranteed contract. You're you're good. You're going to be fine. You're 20 years old. You haven't even, you won't turn 21 until March. You know, you're still a, a, you're becoming. If you do go back in two years, you'll be like some guys just coming out of college that were in the class yeah. when you came here. Yeah. So, well, it, it, when guys go over, who in, in this case haven't played in the in the league, when they go over and then they want to come back, are they free agents? Well, Nico isn't because they still all they have to do is make an offering. <clears throat> they make an offer a qualifying offer every year, which they told him they were going to do, he'll still be the rights of the Warriors. They'll still be able to okay. match any offer he gets. But, okay. you know, Nico's not worried about that. He just said, you know, I, I think when I come back, the offer will be good enough that they'll, if they match it, they're matching yeah. it because they know I'm going to come play. Right, right, and right. if they don't, I'm going somewhere I'm going to get to play anyway. So that's all anybody wants. You talk about being in the NBA, and you talk, you know, you talk about getting shots taken away like you were talking about before with the Warriors. Guys aren't worried about their shots. They're worried about their minutes. You know, as long as you get on the floor – most guys get on the floor, and you, you watch this even now when you're seeing all these guys come up from the G League getting these you know, time to play. Everybody can play. A lot of guys can play in that league, um, given the opportunity. You just got to be in the right place at the right time and, mm-hmm. and, and get a shot. You know, like all these young guys in Houston, they're a horrible team, but all these young guys are getting all the minutes they want because they're so bad. And that's, yeah. The, you know, yeah, you're learning by losing, but 
you're still learning. And it's a, it's a good thing to go through. Well, last thing before we let you go, you are a Ute. And when you played at the University of Utah, the football program was in a really different place. <laughs> Literally, the football coaches had offices in the basketball arena. You probably crossed paths with them to some oh, yeah. point. It was not a winning situation. And now, obviously, they are in the Rose Bowl. How much does that blow your mind when you look back at 20-year-old Pace Mannion on a basketball powerhouse, you're playing in Sweet 16s, and the poor football coaches are schlepping around the basketball arena, and now they're in the Rose Bowl? Yeah, we used to laugh at the football guys because we'd get, I mean, you know, we had more fans than they did. Um, and, but, and we'd see the football coaches. Obviously, they, we, we liked all those guys. We were going to give them McBride and Juki and all the guys you'd see up there, but I wasn't going to harass them. But it's, they've come a long way. You know, you got to give Kyle credit. You know, Urban came in and turned it around, and, and Kyle's been phenomenal for the last 87 years, it seems like. But um, they got a tough one ahead of them. You know, that's going to be a great game, I think, going to the Rose Bowl. I, I like what they're doing. I, I watched them this year, you know, when the quarterback rising came in, they just kind of turned things around. And you just hope on, you know, I think they, they play on the first, don't they? Yep. Yeah. You hope you hope they can run the ball. Because if they can run the ball, it seems like that's the one thing Ohio State struggles with is, is that. Because – I think they're averaging like 550 yards and 45 points a game. They're, you give them the ball back, they're you know they're good. But I, didn't I read? I thought I read that some of their did some of their receivers decide to sit out. Yeah, the draft? I didn't know how much yeah. you got that with the time difference there in Italy. But two of their top three receivers, a starting offensive lineman, a tackle, and a starting defensive lineman. So four players have opted out to protect yeah. their their health for the NFL. Yeah, well, I, you can't blame them, and you know it's a and it's it's a great. You know, chance for some young kid to step in and play really well, and you don't know who's good behind those guys. So that's a, you know, that's a wild card as well because you know they recruit very well there. So it might not be that big of a drop off, but you know, obviously Utah's got their hands full, and I, you know, I'm happy they're there, and I wish them luck, and you know, I'll be, I'll be watching. Well, the only sad thing is that you don't have the red and the blue show, and uh, you can beat up on Alema like you did in that Fiesta Bowl season. Poor Alema. Yeah, well, but they got, BYU got Utah this year, so <laughs> that's true. He, I, he I, can't, I can't give him too much, too much this year, but it, it was fun while it lasted. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pace. We appreciate the time. We will talk to you again later this season, and uh, good luck to Nico and tell him DJ and PK say hi. I will. Thanks, guys. All right, Pace Mannion, checking in from Italy there. DJ and PK coming up. We got Jay Stevens, host of Locked on Buckeyes, talking Rose Bowl next. And we'll see what he thinks of the depth of those key positions with guys opting out. And obviously they're losing something in experience, but how much are they really losing in talent? We'll talk with Jay Stevens next. Right now, Rod Rex joins us from Lendright Mortgage. Rod, good morning. Good morning. Rod Lendright is offering a $1,000 lowest rate guarantee with rates on the move here pretty soon. Uh, you've got this offer. Tell people about it. Yeah. Just because we have that independence that we can shop the best mortgage lenders in the country, it doesn't matter who we do your loan with. Our only objective is to find each client the absolute lowest combination of rate and fees. So, there's just not lenders out there that do what we do. And so our rates are often a quarter percent or more lower than other lenders because of that. And because we have that freedom to just go out and find the lender that best fits each client, we can guarantee the absolute 
lowest combination of rate and fees, and we do that with a $1,000 lowest rate guarantee. So no other lender offers what we do, uh, whether that's a bank, credit union, or any other mortgage company out there. We guarantee our rate and fees will be lower than any of them, or we'll send you a check for $1,000. You've got the uh, you've got the freedom loan, which is uh, which is really popular, and some of those uh, they cover closing costs. So you got a lot of stuff built into those. Yeah, that's definitely one of our most popular products is the freedom loan, just because it allows people in a cash out scenario. That means just thousands of dollars extra cash in hand versus going with a lender that's going to charge all those fees and closing costs. So whether you're buying or refinancing, that freedom loan gets you a rate that's as good as or lower than any other lender out there, but you don't have the closing costs. So it's kind of a no-brainer to save a whole bunch of money when you're paying the prices that homes are costing nowadays. Uh, the closing costs can, can easily be eight to $12,000. $12, so for people who have more questions, what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, best thing to do is just call us at 801 Approve or log on to our website at 80 or uh, lenderitemortgage.com or 801 Approve. You can call 801 Approve or lenderitemortgage.com. Thanks, Rod. Thank you. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. He covers Ohio State for the athletic Bill Landis. You know, there are people on the Michigan side questioning Ohio State's toughness. And, and one of their assistant coaches, I, I believe, said that Ohio State was, was kind of a soft, finesse team. And obviously, that's never something you want to hear somebody say about your program. So I'm interested to see if there's carryover from that going into this Rose Bowl. Because we all know that, that Utah wants to play the same kind of way. They, they want to play a physical brand of football. And Ohio State just kind of got challenged a little bit by Michigan. And, you know, I guess that can go one of two ways. They can just kind of roll over and kind of end the season and not, not worry much about putting up a flight. But I would say there's some pride in the line for Ohio State, too, because I don't think they want to go out in a fashion where it's, you know, back-to-back games where you're getting pushed around like that. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Jay Stevens, host of Locked On Buckeyes. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit SmartRain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Jay, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you guys doing? We're doing well. Uh, we, of course, uh, everyone got the news. Ohio State is going to be missing... Two wide receivers, an offensive lineman, and a defensive lineman, starters, impact guys. How uh, how surprised were people that it came this late? Usually this news comes pretty quickly after the bowl uh, pairings are announced. When I didn't hear anything for about a week, I thought, well, maybe it's the Rose Bowl, so everybody's going to play. And now it turns out in the final week leading up to the Rose Bowl, everybody isn't going to play. How surprised or how off guard did this catch uh, the Buckeyes? So, as regards to the timetable about when it came out, Ryan Day and the team has been very tight with player availability all year long. So, I'm not really surprised it came out the week of the game. That part didn't surprise me. It just followed the track record and timetable 
that Ryan Day has utilized all season as far as who's going to play, if they can play, when they can't play. Well, now at the very last minute. The one thing that did surprise me was Chris Olave opting out. And here's why. Last week there were some Ohio State beat writers that were talking on a podcast, and they said they had already heard rumblings internally that Haskell Garrett, Nicholas petit Frere, and then Garrett Wilson were going to opt out, but nothing was official yet. There were just things that they had heard based off people they had talked to. Chris Olave was in a video on Twitter practicing last week. He was even seen in a Spikes uniform on Monday, shortly before the announcement came out, that he was going to be opting out of the Rose Bowl. And so that's the biggest surprise. Last week when I heard the three possible names that would, that would possibly opt out, Garrett Wilson didn't surprise me. The left tackle didn't surprise me. Haskell Garrett was up in the air, but I thought he was going to play. But Alave being in practice uniform, even the day that he had opt, decided to opt out, that one surprised me the most. Statistically, you look at the numbers, and they've got three eye-popping receivers that jump out at you, obviously. Now, two of them are going to be gone in Wilson and Alave. And Alave had 936 yards, so he was the third highest in terms of receiving yards. And then there's a 700-yard drop-off between him and the next player, so the fourth leading receiver then, who is the running back, Henderson. My thought for you is how will they compensate for the loss of these two individuals with Wilson and Olave? Uh, Henderson is a pretty good running back. Uh, Do they run the ball more? Do they throw the ball out of the backfield more to him? Or to some other guys that we don't know about step up and replace these guys and so the offense doesn't change that much? I think it'll be a mixture of the two. Ryan Day's been very pass-heavy this season, even when it's with the scripted plays early in the game, first 10 to 15 plays that are scripted. You can tell he's trying to get the ball moving through the air very quickly, run in second. I think we're going to see more of a mixture um, of in the run game and pass, not so much pass-heavy the entire time. You mentioned Travion Henderson. I think we'll see a lot more a mixture of splitting the carries between Henderson and Mayan Williams, the backup running back. I think we'll see those two guys split carries in this game. There are some receivers that will be able to play that really haven't played much this year due to Olave Wilson being out. But I don't think Ryan Day is going to be as pass-heavy as he has been all year because these guys haven't got the run, haven't got the clock that the other two guys have gotten all year. And so he's kind of you're gonna have to kind of play the strong hand. Is, is it going to be Henderson running the ball? Is it going to be Brian Williams running the ball? Mixing in some of the younger receivers. Is Jeremy Rutgers going to be featured more in this game? A player that I think can be, but has not been this year really throughout his entirety of his career at Ohio State. So I think we're going to see more of a mixture, more of a balanced attack from Ohio State. Not so pass heavy with Wilson and Olave not playing in the game. So there's a couple things to assess that make bowl games different than the regular season games. One is the opt-outs and the level of talent that's present. And then the second is the motivation level. And certainly, Ute fans uh, got sick of hearing that Alabama didn't want to be there after the 2008 season, 2009 Sugar Bowl game. Does Ohio State want to be there? Absolutely. I know there's maybe a narrative out there from people I see stuff on Twitter that the players don't want to be there or it's just a meaningless bowl game, I wouldn't go that far. I think the players do want to be there. I think they've been working all between the last game of the season for Ohio State, the ugly loss to Michigan, and then this game now. I I do believe they want to be there. I do believe they're going to bring their best game. 
And I do believe that Ryan Day is preparing this team in the way that he is not taking this team, this Utah team lightly, or taking this moment lightly, being at the Rose Bowl. It's not called the granddaddy of them all for no reason. It's not on New Year's Day for no reason. The time slot is not solidified for no reason. All these things go into what the Rose Bowl is. And I think because it is the Rose Bowl, it adds an added level of motivation for those players that are going to be playing on New Year's Day. One of the things that's scary about the Ohio States and the Alabamas of the world is years ago it seemed like you know they were so heavily oriented towards the run and the quarterback was the proverbial game manager. But now these two programs who are as elite as they can get, they're, they're putting in NFL quarterbacks, and it's become basically an assembly line of NFL quarterbacks. It's like whoever the starter is, it's presumed that he's going to be a high draft pick, probably a first-rounder, and we've seen that with the Buckeye program here in recent years. My thought for you is the Shroud, you look at him, you know, basically getting in there to start, and it's looking like he's having a really good season. Just how good is he? He is really good. He has blown me away after coming off. As he missed the Akron game earlier in the year. He got injured in fall camp and injured in the B. Well, right, I believe the Minnesota game, game number one, he, had, he got injured in that game. So he was nursing a couple injuries, missed the game, and then his growth throughout the season, his ability pre-snap to post-snap, being able to acknowledge what the defense is doing and then attack the weakness that the defense has on that particular play, the intangibles that he has, and then his ability to anticipate throws in a way that even at times as we marvel at Justin Fields, the quarterback that he was at Ohio State, Stroud has shown me a level of anticipation that we rarely saw from Justin Fields. And that's the biggest thing to me that I've seen. He is his timing, his anticipation – and we've even seen him be very poised at times when a lot of quarterbacks would be rattled. I am very blown away by his play this year, and I'm excited to see what he does Saturday against a really good Utah football team. Ohio State only lost two games all year. They gave up 269 yards rushing and lost to Oregon. They gave up 297 and lost to Michigan. Can Utah run the ball, keep that high-powered offense on the sideline where they can't do any damage, and pull off the upset? You said, can they? All right, will they? <laughs> if you want to use can they as a dodge. But you know what I'm getting at. So, yeah, so I'm going to be – let's a little bit deeper into the opt-out. Because I didn't hit on one guy that I think may be forgotten by a lot of people. You're going to harp on a lobby at Wilson and even a left tackle. Left tackle, very important. But losing Haskell Garrett on that defense is huge. And I've been going back and forth about this for a while. Ohio State's rotated a lot of guys on defense, been very confusing. But also you want to have guys that were playing more than maybe people thought they should or would that are going to to get a lot of playing time in this game. Losing Haskell Garrett, three-tech defensive tackle, it's huge. You leave the team in sacks and TFLs, tackles for loss. And so I do know the rushing attack. I do know what we the last time we saw Ohio State play a football game they got gashed, they got embarrassed, they got called soft, and the best linebacker in Ohio State acknowledged that they were soft in that game. I called them soft. People I know called them soft. They were soft. With a lot of time in between Ohio State playing it against Michigan and then now, I almost forgot that this is not a new season. This is the same team. And Ohio State's been soft all year. Do I think they'll play tougher than they did against Michigan? Yes. But my fear is the rushing attack that you mentioned 
is going to be enough to pull off the upset. I am still up in the air on this, but as I'm talking it out, losing Haskell Garrett is big. I don't know what to expect from these linebackers or how, what linebackers are going to play. Ohio State's played too many guys at times. Um, I am leaning more towards the upset, and it pains me to say that. That physical team Utah has in Ohio State, that the last time I saw them play, Ohio State was not the Ohio State team that I expected to see in Ann Arbor. And my fear and my gut telling me we're, going, we're possibly, probably going to see more of that team on Saturday. Utah's athletic director came on our station a week or so ago and said that uh, wouldn't be surprised if saw 60,000 people that are Ute fans in the Rose Bowl. And I think I saw that Ohio State returned some tickets. Uh, how many Ohio State fans do you think are going to be there? Man, I'm probably thinking it could be 60-40 Utah fans. It could be 70-30 Utah fans. The big thing, Ohio State returned 7,000 of their 20,000 allotment that they got. And that was at first alarming. But when you add in ticket prices, um, the cost of flying to Pasadena, the cost of hotels and food and a car once you get there, and then even the uncertainty about playing the game, going from Ohio or wherever you are in the country to California, there's been so many bowl games canceled that I'm sure a lot of people are really wondering, is the game going to be played? Because we're seeing bowl games canceled left and right. Um, so yeah, it could be 60-40. Could be, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 70-30, to be honest with you. Uh, just based off the amount of money that people are going to be spending just to go to that game in the time period we're living in right now. Um, yeah, the, the, the Utah fans could well be loud. Um, it, they'll probably dominate them. And I'm curious to see how loud it is at kickoff um, as far as who dominates the, the the sound, is it more Utah fans or Ohio State fans? 70-30, 60-40. I wouldn't be surprised if the split is that way for each, for each fan base. Yeah, they wear the same color, so at least the stands won't look too embarrassing, right? It's not like I, when Iowa was there true. with the black and gold, you know exactly who's Iowa and who isn't. So th- this will be a little this different. This is true. Yeah. All right, well, we appreciate the time, Jay. Thanks for coming on and talking Rose Bowl with us. Yeah, no problem, guys. Have a great day. Thanks for having me on. Jay Stevens, host of Locked on Buckeyes, joining us. And Josh Newman, you beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, will join us at 9.05 right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's official. The Utes are the 2021 Pac-12 champs and are heading to the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. What better way for the Utes to make their inaugural trip to the Rose Bowl than a battle against Ohio State? Keep it locked on the Zone Sports Network as we get you ready for the Utes' historic trip to Pasadena. Your home for the best coverage of the Utes in the Rose Bowl is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The fifth annual Black Friday sale has been extended through December at Davis Vision. Tired of glasses or contacts? Get LASIK now and save $1,400. There are limited spots available, so act now. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. You still riled up, PK? About life? Yes. No, the Rose Bowl and the opt-outs. Rose Bowl. It's, it's the Rose Bowl. If Kirk Herbstreet is riled up, why can't I be? Because you have been really, uh, what is the word? Um, uh, self-evasing, humble, uh, contrite, 
generous, soft-hearted. I mean, there's a whole bunch of words. Where do I stop? <laughs> I was going to say locked in on the concept that these guys need to secure the money because it's life-changing money, and nobody else is going to guarantee it to them if they get hurt. And, and you hate it, but you totally understand why guys with NFL futures have to protect those and opt out of bowl games. Yeah. Those are bowl games, and this is the Rose Bowl. It's the granddaddy. Come on, man. That, who we, the, 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 the guy we just had on. There's a reason why it's played when it's played, the day that it's played. And I didn't know this because I'm not a TV ratings guy. I've always said I watch what I watch. And if other people watch it, great. If they don't, I don't care. And Kirk Herbstreet said this game, TV ratings-wise, will be as good as the semifinal games, which I had no idea because I'm, I'm no, my TV career is over and I don't obsess over TV ratings. I get that people do. I get why you do, because it's your livelihood, so I understand all that. But I had no idea that it was right on par with those other games, so there's a whole lot going to it. And it's not about any... It's not, me, I'm not cracking on Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson or any of these dudes doing what they do. That's not the point. What's the point? The, the point is that the system... That we've created, which am I allowed to say it's a half-ass system? Yes, because uh, I don't think it's been created. I think it's just kind of evolved because no one's been trying to shape it and make sense out of it. Well, I, I don't. I think it has this. This I guess that's playoff how it's has been created. Been created. Yeah. and so I'm more upset at the powers that be that created a situation and where dudes would look at themselves and say, "I don't want to play in the Rose Bowl." <laughs> now I have a hundred percent bias. I grew up and the Rose Bowl was where I didn't even know about the Rose Bowl, and I've said this a million times. I'm ten years old, living in bitter cold New Jersey, and I turn on the television. My uh, We had one TV. It was black and white, and I turn it on, and it was color that game. I don't know how it worked. It was color when I'd watch the Rose Bowl at 5 o'clock New Year's Day because you certainly couldn't go outside because it's, we don't have the kind of cold here that they have back there where it just pierces right through you. And I remember watching it thinking, this, this is unbelievable. And it was in my black and white television as a youngster. And I, I've fantasized and dreamed about this game and how special it is. I put it on a pedestal before I even went to a Pac-10 school. And so for me, this has always been the game. So of course I'm going to bring some bias. So it's more about the system. If we're going to have a playoff, let's friggin' have a playoff, right? Where this doesn't come to pass. Ohio State... So they lost two games, and I can't really criticize them for losing to Oregon because the fact that they're ruling the schedule that game instead of playing Cleveland State that week is something that is pretty good. And so they lose the game, and then they lose one conference game at the end. And it's sort of similar to the way I look at this conference game that they lost to Michigan in the manner that I looked at Utah losing to BYU. This is a rivalry. By definition, there has to be some back and forth, or else it's not a rivalry. So Michigan was going to win at some point. You know, as long as they kept Harbaugh employed there, he was not going to continue to lose every single game that they play against their rival, right? Same thing. That's why I don't hold it against Utah losing to BYU, because BYU was bound to win. They had a number of close calls, a couple of blowouts, but they had a number of close calls. So just the the law of numbers was 
going to mean that they were going to win. So they got to win. Good for them. Absolutely. Celebrate wildly, and they did. But it's no knock against Utah that they lost to BYU this year, and it's no knock against Ohio State that they lost to Michigan. And now, all of a sudden, they're right there, and they're going to be in the playoff. They lose one game in Ann Arbor. Boom, you're gone. It doesn't really make sense to me. If you've been in contention all this time and you lose one game, all of a sudden you're out. No. So expand the playoff so we don't have this situation. 12 teams, one quarterfinal game on New Year's Eve in primetime, three on New Year's Day, and the Rose Bowl's a permanent quarterfinal and always has that time slot. And the others can yeah, rotate through yeah. the semi. And any stadium, any city can bid for the finals. They can even double back and put a final in Rice the Eccles. Rose Bowl. Well, probably not a Rice Eccles. <laughs> you looking, said any stadium. They're going to be looking any any stadium with <laughs> 70,000 seats and 100, and 100 luxury suites. <laughs> oh, well, then don't say any stadium. Oh, man. All right. <laughs> we are going to talk Rose Bowl with Josh Newman, Utah beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, coming up next. Right now, though, we are joined by Rod Rex. He joins us from Lenright Mortgage. And mortgages are changing because interest rates are changing. So how does the plan for consumers need to change going forward, Rod? Yeah, looking forward to the new year. Uh, the best thing to do right now is take advantage of the rates we've got. Uh, they're still pretty close to those all-time record lows, but they are definitely going to be moving considerably higher in 2022. So right now, it's kind of a, a perfect time to take advantage of that record equity that most homeowners have because of that record increase in purchase prices. And with the new 2022 loan limits in place for $647,200, uh, you're able to take that cash out and lock in that low interest rate so that you don't have to pay tens of thousands in extra interest. Because if you compare a $400,000 loan at 3% uh, compared to the interest you'll pay just at 4%, that's $80,000 in difference. If rates go to 5%, you're looking at 166000 in interest. So literally, now is the time to act. So Freedom Loans are one of your most popular products. How do they work and why do people like them? Yeah, we get a lot of calls on the Freedom Loan, and that's simply because instead of paying all those closing costs, whether you're doing a purchase or a cash-out refinance or a rate-and-term refinance, we can save you all of those closing costs so you can protect that equity you've got in your home and that money that you would be paying to go to closing costs. You can keep that in your pocket on a purchase. So you can put that towards new furniture or keep it in your emergency fund or on a cash out refinance literally means tens of thousands of dollars extra in your pocket. And what the freedom loan is, it's simply a rate that's as low or lower than other lenders will give you without any of the closing costs. We cover 100% of those closing costs for you. How do people get a hold of you if they want more info? Yeah, best thing to do is call our team at 801-APPROVE or visit us online at LendRightMortgage.com. Check them out right now online, Lend, LendRightMortgage.com, LendRightMortgage.com or 801-APPROVE, 801-APPROVE. Thanks, Rod.
Thank you.